It's time. Time for what, you might ask? It's time to optimize your health and upgrade your life. Cutting-edge research, biohacks, ancestral wisdom, wellness, intuition, and more. This is The Synthesis of Wellness. Your host and biohacker Chloe Porter has a background in engineering, innovation, and research. Her analytical background coupled with her journey in overcoming a brain tumor and defeating several chronic illnesses enables her to approach health and wellness in an innovative way. And now more than ever, she is ready to share her biohacking secrets and expose cutting edge research. We are so glad you're here. Welcome to the Synthesis of Wellness podcast. Today, we've got Dr. Dwayne Porter, who we are super excited to chat with. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you very much. I am actually honored to be on the show. So, yeah, I, I wanted to start off by asking you if you could introduce yourself to the audience just to get to know you and learn more about your story. I am a doctor of chiropractic with a master's degree in nutrition and emphasis on as a strength conditioning specialist, sports physician, and uh, rehabilitation specialist. I've been practicing since 1992 in the beautiful state of Kentucky, and I absolutely love what I do. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So let's go back in time a little bit. Kind of walk me through your journey of becoming a chiropractor. Oh, great. Yeah. That, um, I was, I lived in Los Angeles, California for about 14 years in the 80s and, and mid to mid 90s. And uh, I was, I went to Cal State Northridge, finished my degree there and was going to apply as a uh, medical doctor at University of Southern California. When I started working for a chiropractor in uh, Silmar, California, which is in the valley of, uh, of Los Angeles. And when I started working for this chiropractor there, I'd heard of chiropractors, but really didn't know exactly what they did. And people started coming out of this room after he adjusted them and treated them. And I, I, they were all going, Oh, that's great, doc. That's wonderful. How do you do that? That's wonderful. And I, I started asking, I said, what are you, what are you doing to those people in there that's, that's making them feel so good? And he started teaching me alignment because I was doing nutrition for him and I was doing physical therapy and exercises for his patients. I really wasn't involved in the, the chiropractic part of it. And so he showed me, started teaching me some things. And I thought, we're healing without medication. How cool is that? And we, he would, uh, 
he actually showed me how to adjust, how to treat patients, um, what he was doing and the purpose of it and the alignment and the hypomobility in turn to mobility of the joints. And he, he uh, really taught me quite a bit. And I worked for him probably about six or eight months before I said, you know, I think I want to be a chiropractor instead of a medical doctor because I was never a big fan of medicine anyway, but I always wanted to be able to help. And medicine is, is wonderful. But if we can do it without it, how cool. So I applied to Cleveland Chiropractic College in Los Angeles, and uh, it's right downtown L.A., and I went to school there and graduated in 92. And um, the cool thing about chiropractic, the very first day of school, uh, they introduced everybody. We had, I think, 50 of us in chiropractor school the very first day, and you're in a suit and tie, or I was in a tie, not a suit, but I was in a tie. and and dress nice and ready to go for my first day of school and all these expectations and very nervous. And and so they went along to each student and they said, um, so why do you want to be a chiropractor? And, and they'd stand up and say, well, I'm such, I'm, I'm, you know, Steve from Long Beach and I want to be a chiropractor because, you know, I, I love helping people and these were all great. And I thought this, but everybody was saying the same thing. And so I was one of the last ones in line or in the seats and that family stood up and said, hello, my name is Dwayne Porter. I'm originally from Ashland, Kentucky, and um, I want to be a chiropractor basically because I can't sing and dance. So I won over a lot of people there and the, the uh, professors, I had to look at them to make sure I was okay with that. And, and the uh, Carl Cleveland or senior was there, he, which he was the... Uh, the, uh, which the school is named after and the president and CEO and he left. So I thought, well, I want him over. So it was a great career, great school, great place. I enjoyed it and, and, uh, been enjoying a great career as a doctor of chiropractic. That's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, it sounds like you kind of almost fell into it a little bit, which is really cool because I mean, it's such an emerging field, just all of the holistic health and chiropractic, naturopathy, all of it, and your journey of kind of switching from being an or or wanting to pursue an MD to um, being a doctor of chiropractic is, is pretty awesome. So when was that like kind of moment or you talked a little bit about healing without medicine can you elaborate on that a little bit more like what was that moment like of of kind of understanding oh wow we can actually we don't have to rely on drugs we can we can heal without as we're taught in school chiropractic is an extensive school very extensive and and we learn basically everything the medical doctors learn except they learn more pharmaceuticals. We do take a course in pharmaceuticals, but that's basically it. So we only learn the basics of it. We learn a lot of anatomy, physiology, how the body functions. We also learn, have, we have to be, we have to understand everything that a physical therapist understands because we do a lot of therapy or physiotherapy, we call it, still physical therapy, basically. We also um, learn x-rays or radiology. 
And so we are um, professional radiologists, basically, as well. So we can take x-rays as well as anyone else. We learn uh, a little extra and, and, and gold bubble like the medical yeah, yeah. Quick side note on that. Sorry to cut you off, but you read x-rays every single day. Do you not? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. We read x-rays. We take x-rays because we, we need them. We need them to confirm our palpations of the spine. And I work on ankles, knees, shoulders, elbows. We work on pretty much everything. I even uh, help with headaches, uh, gastrointestinal problems as well. Um, but uh, we work on basically everything a medical doctor does. We work on healing the area. And we also found we are taught of the innate intelligence. And the innate basically is your inborn um, instinctual way of healing the body or way of uh, like a baby heals and it's instinctual. Yeah, it, it comes open. naturally. Absolutely, it comes naturally. Now we do need tools or fuel to help that and the right tools so we kind of help it along but it will, I do believe and I can't put a number on 90% or whatever, I do believe the body will heal itself naturally most of the time and a high percentage of the time because I've seen it in practice for over the last, for the last 30 years. And once you understand how the body works through anatomy, physiology, and you say, okay, we just have to stimulate that area and the body will naturally bring blood to that area, which allows the body to heal. Yeah, and, and I agree that um, kind of going off that word stimulate, when you kind of support the body's natural detoxification and natural healing abilities, I think that's when you're golden. That's when you're you're going to actually get to the root cause and heal things. You're not just going to be taking a drug over and over and over. So I think there is, um, for the audience listening, I think uh, clarifying that we are supporting the natural abilities of the body through chiropractic through you know different modalities like infrared or lymphatic drainage different things like that so yeah just wanted to throw that out there too you're absolutely right absolutely i think everybody even in they should go through a chiropractic course in some ways and learn the anatomy i i basically feel anatomy and physiology should be taught first grade up why not? We need to learn more about our own body to heal ourselves. And the more knowledge we have about it, the more we can heal ourselves. And we won't be so confined and shackled by medicine. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the more control you have over your own body, the more life you can live too. It's it's amazing. So. I love all that. Let's let's go ahead and I think that's a good jumping off point to getting into chiropractic care and the purpose of like the spine, spinal cord, nerves, even the brain stem, cranial nerves. Yep, you can take it from there. Well, we're basically, we're not considered specialists, but we do, we do treat the spine first. Um, Basically, chiropractic is concerned with the diagnosis, treatment, and prevention 
of mechanical disorders, of the musculoskeletal system, um, and the nervous system. We emphasize on manual treatments, which means hands-on. So when the spine moves every day in all directions, forward, backwards, um, laterally, rotationally, and every nerve of the body comes from the brain. The brain is, is, your, is your hard drive, so to speak. And it has a spinal cord that comes from the brain stem down through the spine, and the vertebrae protect that spinal cord. Then each nerve exits every vertebrae, and there's 24 of them from the neck called cervical thoracic lumbar. And every there's a nerve that goes out to each side symmetrically to different areas of the body. These are nerves kind of like a telephone pole. <laughs> the old way we used to talk uh, on the phone, they used to have uh, telephone lines to go to each house. So just like a telephone pole would have an, a wire go or cord go to each house, there's a nerve goes to every part of the body. You cannot actually blink an eye or um, lift an arm, lift a finger, chew a, a bite of food without basically the nerve from the brain telling it what to do. So when the brain says move finger, it sends a message down through the spinal cord out from, say, C6 nerve, cervical nerve root, which that's one of the seven cervical vertebrae. And we may be getting a little deep here, but it comes out of that nerve down to the finger and moves. The brain tells it to move. And if that nerve is impinged or blocked in any certain way, that information highway of the spinal cord is going to be blocked. So you're not going, you're going to have traffic. So it's going to block it by way of the, the vertebrae, possibly turning against that nerve or pinching that nerve. When the nerve is pinched like a water hose, you're not getting the supply you need. Nerves are like electrical cords. So if you need 220 volts and that nerve is being impinged, then you're only getting 110 volts. So it may work, but just not going to work as well as what it should. Absolutely. And, and as a side note on that, too, for the audience listening, this is not limited to just, you know, mobility or or even back pain or anything like that. I mean, you've got cranial nerves and the vagus nerve is one of them and it controls a lot of your digestion. If you think your digestion is just total microbiome, you probably are wrong because there's so many other pathways. Gut-brain connection, that's the nerve. That's the highway, the vagus nerve. And, and subluxations or pinching of the nerve can really affect that. So... So there's so much to this. This is really the highway to controlling your body. So, yeah, I just wanted to throw that one out there. Oh, you're absolutely right. And your your heart doesn't beat without that nerve coming from the spine. Your lungs do not um, enlarge without that, that nerve. 
Every nerve has a purpose in every part of the body, heart, liver, lungs, spleen, kidneys, gallbladder, large, small intestine. They all have nerves that tell it what to do. Again, like you're plugging in a cord for the computer or television. So if that nerve is not plugged in and it's got an impingement, in chiropractors, we call this subluxations. And the medical world uses subluxations as well, but we use our own definition. Subluxation basically means sub mean less than like a subway under, less than a dislocation. So the bones can turn out or twist abnormally for a lot of reasons. The way we sit, sleep, walk, talk, run, exercise, lack of exercise, lack of sleep. Um, so it can turn or twist or move. Even accidents will do it. But when the bone turns out or twists, and locks and becomes hypomobile, meaning it's not moving, then the muscles that connect to those vertebrae on each side can also become locked or tight. So for every action, you have an equal and opposite reaction. So if the muscle is tight around one side on the left side of the neck or the trapezius, for example, and it's pulling the bone to the left, the muscles on the right are stretched or weakened. So you've got a weaker muscle in that, in that trapezius because the bone is locked. So when that happens and you've got one bone turning one direction and the other bone remaining stationary, you are actually shearing the disc that's in between the two bones. So when that disc shears, it'll bulge as well and pinch a nerve as well. So now you've got a, a nerve impingement from the disc. It all ties together though, the muscle, the bone, and the disc, all impinging the nerve. The nerve then gets inflamed because it's being pinched, just like if you got pinched, you wouldn't feel good. The nerve gets inflamed, sends a message to the brain, says, hey, we got a problem down here, and sector four of the neck. And so the brain sends blood to that area to try to heal you innately. The body will heal itself that way by sending the blood. The difference is the blood can go in there and heal the nerve. It can heal the muscle. It can heal the disc somewhat. But if that bone is still turned, subluxated, you still have a problem. You still have an impingement of that nerve. And so, the brain, on a long-term basis, keeps getting this message, hey, we're still abnormally shaped down here. We're still abnormally subluxated. And you're helping with the muscle. You're getting rid of most of the pain, but we still have a problem. So then those, the brain says, okay, I'm tired of hearing this message. So I'm going to heal that bone by calcifying those bones or keeping it hypomobile. So then it goes in with calcifications and basically tries to lock it up more so that you can't move it, so that you can't create that pain. That's called arthritis. And over a long-term period, that's what it creates. And if we can break that up and align it and keep movement and keep blood in that area, one, you won't get the arthritis as much. Two, if you already have the arthritis, we can keep it from getting worse and we can keep mobility in the joint. 
And that's our main goal is mobility of joints, which removes the pressure of the nerve, which allows the body to function better. Definitely, yeah. And I actually, I have a couple of questions on everything you just said. Um, the first is just kind of a side note with um, sleeping position and posture, because I wanted to touch on that for the audience. Um, now, I know, I mean, for Alzheimer's, if you sleep on um, on your back, there, you have a significantly higher chance of getting a brain disorder such as Alzheimer's. Um, so they recommend that you sleep on, on your side, um, right side or left side. Um, but is there a specific sleeping position that is best for the spine? Yeah, you want, it as, you want to sleep as if you're standing erect and talking to someone with your head in neutral position, your chest in normal position, which means good posture, basically. So we treat our body, we, we train our body 24 hours a day. We either train it normally or we train it abnormally. We train it with good posture or we train it with poor posture. So if that head, you're laying on your side, and we do recommend, we never recommend sleeping on your stomach. We do recommend uh, sleeping on your side um, and or your back if, if that's comfortable to you. That's better than sleeping on your stomach. But we do recommend sleeping on your side with your head in neutral position, a pillow that makes up the difference between your head and the bed, meaning I don't want two or three pillows where my head is all cranked up one direction, and I don't want a flat pillow where my head is cranked laterally in the other position. So I want it equal as if, again, I'm talking to someone and my chest is out in good posture as if you're in the fourth grade and the teacher says, Johnny, sit up straight, young man. And that's what you want to be able to sleep, just like that as well as seated. The When we sleep, we often have our head or our chin tucked into our chest um, or pulled or we're in a fetal position. And we were told many years ago that was the best way to sleep. And over the last 20 years, we're told that's not the best way to sleep. We want to sleep as straight as possible with good posture, with your chest out, head in neutral position. We also lose oxygen flow when our head is tucked, our chin is tucked to our chest. Um, we, we're taught, or singers, I'm not much of a singer, actually a singer at all. I do sing a lot, not good. But <laughs> I love to sing, but I was never taught. But I am, I do understand that people that are taught to sing are always taught to sing with their head in neutral position and don't sing, sing with the mic down below you where your chin is tucked down because you lose that airflow. I taught this technique to a gentleman. Well, it's been a couple of years now. But he came back about four months later and he had a CPAP and he was an older gentleman. And I said, when you sleep like this, not that, uh, you lose oxygen flow. And so he brought the CPAP back to me, threw it on my table and said, I don't need this anymore. I said, why? And I'd forgotten what I'd told him. And he said, well, you showed me how to sleep in my chest. I goes, I didn't have a breathing problem. I had a breathing problem because I wasn't sleeping right. 
And I said, well, good, I'm glad I helped. But that's, that's the pleasure and the love of the job I do. You get those things sometimes and all you're doing is teaching the right thing and they honor it. Um, but so sleeping also changes. So if you think about your head being pulled forward or to the side, your body follows where your head goes. So if my head, if I'm standing and I pull my head to the floor, my whole body's going to the floor. So <clears throat> we need to practice that because again, I recommend a good eight hours of sleep a day for everyone. And I'm not a big nap person. I don't really believe in a whole lot of naps. If you get sleep at night, you don't need a nap a day, but a lot of doctors, um, tell patients to get naps. I think they tell them to get naps because they're not getting enough sleep at night, but I'm not sure why they teach that. But a good eight hours of sleep a night, if you're in one position for eight hours a night, that, and it's an abnormal position, you're training your body abnormally. For I'll, sure. Yeah. Go ahead. No, yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, there's so many different stacks you can um, add on top of that for sleeping. You want a cool room. You want super dark. I mean, a lot of people use, um, what are those, like blinding um, Blinders, blinds yeah. or... Yeah, blackout curtains. That's that's what I'm looking for, and they'll use those. And even um, even your blue light blocking glasses on a couple hours before bed. Don't watch anything um, super intense a couple hours before bed because that that's just gonna really get your heart rate up and prevent you from getting good sleep. You can even use tools like the Aura Ring, um, heart rate variability tracking uh, during your sleep, even tracking your temperature. Um, tons of tools out there, but, um, we're going to just highlight the, the posture of sleeping. And I think he's done a great job of already going through that. So let's go ahead and get into, you know, who is this for? And like, say we, we know if you've been in a car accident, we know if you have back pain, we know if you've got an injury. But is this for everybody? Which, you know, I know the answer. And I would definitely encourage the audience to to definitely listen in because for sure. But I'll let you elaborate on that. I, I've adjusted my children. One of my child or two of my children I adjusted when they were one hour old. And I've adjusted 101. He was almost 102 year old man before. So it is for everyone. It is for everyone if they have pain or no pain. I don't really have back pain. I get under, I get under problems like any other 62 year old man, but, uh, um, I don't really have back pain or neck pain, but I get adjusted about every two weeks. Maybe that's why I don't have a lot of other problems, why I don't have spinal problems or neck problems is because I do. Um, it is a part of it because I am preventing. So everyone is, I, I believe, should have it. Um, and it's a preventive medicine. Or pre we won't use the word medicine. But it's a preventive style of care as opposed to treatment afterwards. So either one of them works. But prevention, yeah. keeping things aligned. If you're symmetric, you're going to be healthier. That's, that's period. 
Yeah, and I mean, everybody everybody sits, everybody stands, everybody sleeps. So you're not going to be doing all those things perfectly 24-7. So an adjustment is, is needed um, or helpful at the very least. Um, so let's go ahead and get into sports uh, medicine a little bit because I know you have a background uh, there as well. And being a chiropractor, I know you see a lot of a lot of sports injuries come in. So can we talk about just all of that, your background in that and and what you see? Yeah, I went to extra school to become certified as a chiropractic uh, sports physician. Um, and I've been practicing. Well, I was, I'm a, I was an athlete myself, um, college football. Uh, I played baseball for literally over 48 years. Uh, I was a boxer for many years, so and I love all the sports involved. I ran marathons. Um, I love the obstacle course runs. I just ran obstacle course uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, so I enjoy sports. I'm part of it. I'm part of their injuries. I've had many injuries through sports and broken bones and um, impingements, torn muscles, etc. So I'm not only a sports physician, but I'm one who's practiced all that for years. I still exercise. I still run five days a week. I still do weights four days a week. I stay very active at 62 years old. So I am not just saying this is good and you should try it, but I'm doing it myself. And and guys, to um, cut you off really quick, I do have to also mention because he – didn't mention this. He was a bodybuilder for uh, quite some time too. And so he definitely knows exercise, uh, sports, nutrition, therapy, all, all of that. So, yeah. Yeah. I get bodybuilders. I get quite a few bodybuilders come in as well. Um, and, um, they take my advice and I'm not, I'm not their bodybuilding coach, but they still take my advice on because they see the purpose of how the body works and how it functions. Um, nutritionally, physically, and symmetrically. So we touch all those bases when it comes to the sports medicine. I do a lot of uh, high school, college athletes in this area. We have a lot of high school players get ankle sprains, broken bones. I take the x-ray on broken bone. Broken bone. I'll send them out to have it set if it needs to be set. Um, the ankle injuries, I work on. I get them back on the field sometimes within a week. So uh, they, they love the idea of, of uh, I get them from all over. I get them coming from 60, 70 miles away sometimes uh, after after they've been injured. So, again, I enjoy it. Um, I, I, I understand. So I understand with the, the athletes because I've been there. And I understand what an ankle sprain feels like. I understand what a bone feels like. So uh, and I, know, I understand how to heal it as well because I've healed myself many times. I've actually taken a couple of casts off myself. Probably shouldn't have, but I did, and I healed very nicely um, without the cast many times. I'm not saying don't <laughs> to take your cast off, but if you stimulate the muscles, the ligaments, the bones the right way, they will heal. And that's what the cast is for. The cast is to allow the body to heal innately. Right, and... And I kind of thought something was interesting I heard a little bit ago just to touch on um, the cast. 
the the human jaw has kind of changed shape. I I heard a couple of weeks ago to accommodate less meat and more just sugar and and soft breads and carbs and things you know that are not healthy for us. Um, and our jaws have changed as a result. So it, it's almost like when you don't use it again, things might change and they might change for the worse. And a cast, you know, we're certainly, I, I would venture to say you're not, you know, promoting taking a cast off yourself, but you you are promoting, you do have to strengthen something, you do have to use something or that thing will get weaker, or that thing will just need a Band-Aid 24-7. Is that right? Absolutely. And you're, you're right. And I don't promote taking it off, but um, a bone heals the same way a muscle heals, or muscle strengthens. You have to have resistance. So a bone will heal with resistance as well. And... If you don't use anything to resist it, it takes longer to heal many times. I've seen some of these athletes in, in these boots that some of the orthopedics are placing athletes in boots and they'll be in a boot for eight weeks, 10 weeks, and they'll get out of the boot. And it's still so weak that they're another four weeks before they can actually, um, get back on the field when in many times, and I'm not saying always, of course, many times we can stimulate the blood, stimulate the flow, stimulate the strengthening of the bone, and they heal much, much quicker. And I've done yeah. it myself on my myself as well. No, that's awesome. I love that. So how often should someone get adjusted? You know, I, and, and this is, I'm sure you can't really give a number here or because some people have injuries, some people have car accidents, some people just have pain, some people are just people wanting to prevent. So maybe walk me through those situations. An acute injury from, and actually most of my patients are not car accidents. Um, I've, I've got, I have probably 1% of my patients have car accidents. Most of them are due to their job, how they're sitting at their job, um, the way they sleep, like we'd already spoke about before, um, surgeries, past surgeries they've had and it's never healed properly. So I get a lot of patients in that manner. And if it's an acute injury and it can't say they can't move their neck, they have a torticollis, which means the neck is locked in one side. And they have an acute injury and they just came in and just started two days ago. We would probably adjust the patient um, three, sometimes four times a week for um, two to three weeks. Now, I myself, if I don't see the patient 50 to 60% better in two weeks, I refer them out. But honestly, it works. I, I've rarely had a patient not get better in two weeks and over 50% better in two weeks because, again, that's why I love what I do. It works. It's it's sensational, actually. So in that manner, I always tell them to give me two weeks, give me a couple of visits a week, two or three visits a week, for, uh, or even four visits for two or three weeks. And I say, but give me two weeks 
And if we're not any better, then we'll go plan B or send you out and go to medicine, I guess, if you need that. But it almost always works. The only times it really doesn't is if we don't follow protocol, if the patient unable to make it in or they're trying to work through the pain and, and do their job that, that's hurting and they can't make it to get treatments. That's usually when it doesn't work, but it generally does. So, And, and some people are, are a little bit fearful of like, you know, the popping and, and what do you have to say to that? Because, you know, I've personally been adjusted several times in my life and it, it's not it's nothing. It's not scary at all. So, but do you have any kind of advice for anybody who is a little bit fearful? Yeah, the adjustments, there's no side effects. There's no adverse reactions. You're not going to wake up with diarrhea the next morning. <laughs> um, you may hear a noise when it pops. The popping noise is, is just gas escaping a joint, natural gas. If you have a balloon and you put a lot of air in it and you pop it and it's really a lot of air, it makes a louder noise. When you have just a little bit of air and you pop it, it makes a, a minor noise. Um, so it's the same thing in your joints at the vertebrae. It's not bones touching. That's the cool part. It is very safe. I tell these, tell my patients that every day. And I don't try to talk them into it because some are very scared. But the, I like those patients when they come in because that's a challenge to me to win them over. And there's, I can see it in their eyes. They're scared and they're saying, I'm not sure if I want to do this. I said, you do not have to. I said, it's never. I said, you always have the last word. I said, we can try some other things and stretch and do some other things and therapy with it. I said, but uh, you do not have to be adjusted. And usually they'll say, and I explain it to them and in that manner and show them how it's just noise and gas escaping a joint. And also tell them it may hurt for a moment. But it only hurts for a moment. That's the cool part. And most of the time after I've done that and explained it all to them and we adjust them, they'll go, but that wasn't bad at all. Yep. And so, and then they walk, they sit up and say, gosh, I can move. And then just my heart gets warm every time, every time we do this. And, and I heal, I feel like I'm healing. I think, how, how great is that feeling? You know, and so that's what keeps me going back and working every day and enjoying what I do. And I think another thing as far as medication goes, every time I adjust a patient or treat a patient, that's one less medication that's been distributed by the medical world. Again, I'm not against medication whatsoever, but if they don't need it and we can treat them with adjustments in, in chiropractic, then why, why do we need the medication in the first place? Less is always better. If we think about the opioid epidemic, they've estimated up to 12 to 20% of people on opioid um, addiction, up to 12 to 20% started with back pain and joint pain, and they were given medication. Think of that. That's a lot of numbers. So how cool if we could see all those 12 to 20%. We'd have less people on drugs and less people um, on illegal and have less people with addictions. So I, I just, again, there's just so many benefits to it all the way around. No, definitely. And I can definitely attest to the fact that, you know, I can walk in and, you know, I, I'm 
a former horse rider. I competed in college and I fell off, hit my head. I was in some pain and um, got adjusted and continually got adjusted. And you just, you walk in sore, you walk in a little bit in pain, maybe a lot in pain, and you walk out with maybe still a little bit of pain, but your mobility is night and day. That, I mean, and that's my experience. I certainly can't speak for everybody, but it, it's, it's a night and day thing for mobility. And it's also super important since a chiropractor does a lot hands-on to get a good chiropractor. Um, just like, you know, any other doctor, there's a difference in the treatments that you're going to get. So I, I would caution the audience to, to seek out a good physician there. So um, one of my last things I wanted to touch on before we started to wrap up was how can patients prepare for appointments? What should they do? What should they not do? Um, yeah, and I'll, I'll touch on what I didn't. I, I, I didn't uh, answer your question earlier because you asked, you didn't ask just acute, but acute and chronic. So if you have chronic pain, I usually measure it down to where they're coming in once a week or maybe a month, and after that, once a month um, or a month, just to make be certain because they're very vulnerable after because it takes a while to heal. So we're putting things back in line to allow it to heal. And then um, once a month for a couple of months, and then I usually release them and say, you know, if you want to come back, we do recommend regular adjustments as prevention. And I have hundreds of patients that do that, that come in for prevention and because they see the benefits of it after that. I have patients come in, um, that have had stomach problems before and digestion problems and they'll come in and say if you know i get adjusted regularly and i keep c1 adjusted with the vagus nerve and if i keep my uh they don't really know that's it's vagus nerve but that's what we're usually adjusting and we adjust the intestinal area uh, like l1 for the large intestine we adjust that as well and the stomach nerves that go to each one of these vertebrae then we there's, they're going to have um, less intestinal problems and they're going to digest the, the food better. Yeah, yeah. It, it's all about communication between the brain and the body, and that's your major highway. I mean, there's there's hormones, there's lots of other stuff too, but mm -hmm. that is literally a major highway. And if you've got injury to the spine and, and starting to get non-related symptoms, I would definitely venture to say it, it's... It's related, so. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I, I threw it off again, but uh, so what do they need to prepare? Um, no, yeah, and, and thank you for going back to that, yeah. But let, let's go ahead and get into what to do, what not to do. That'd be great. They really don't need to prepare anything to come in um, with if they have pain or if they don't have pain, if they're seeking um, chiropractic advice. Um, so. If they have pain or, or we treat, once we treat, then I give them information of how to care for it after the adjustment. So sometimes we'll use certain modalities, the stretches and uh, exercises to teach them 
I will go into nutrition sometimes as well and say, um, you know, talk about water and the necessity of water and talk about necessity of breakfast and those type of things and, and getting the amount of proteins so that the body can make enzymes and et cetera. So um, it's really, they don't have to do anything to prepare prior to coming in. But uh, afterwards we give them a lot, we give them homework. So, and if they follow the homework, even half of the homework, they usually get better. And so, and the thing about the exercise and things I teach them are all easy and simple things to do. Things you can do right at your own desk at work or things you can do at school or things you can do at home. And I always feel that if you can stretch a muscle, you're creating a circulation of blood to that muscle. So if I stretch a muscle five times a day, I'm creating more circulation five times a day. And I can do that at home. It's free and it's simple. Uh, and that's they always a lot of patients look at me and say, I could have been doing this all alone. Yes, you could. But now, and they do it and they come back and show me, hey, look, doc, I've been stretching. Look, I feel so much better. I got more range of motion and I can even move my shoulder better, you know, and you love to hear that. But yeah. you're really nothing to prepare. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, a lot of us want to live optimally and, and not just feel okay, but feel like we're thriving through life and, and living our best life. So with that said, I know a lot of my audience likes to go deep into some of the technical biohacks and modalities to really optimize living. And I would just kind of add on that, you know, circulation, you, you go back to that a lot for healing. And there's, you know, we talk about a ton of different modalities. Um, you know, there's infrared, red light, sauna, heat, cold, cold therapy. Um, even I just shared uh, a little informational post today about niacin and stacking that with like a sauna treatment because niacin can help increase circulation and it was even part of um, a detoxification protocol because it stimulated um, the liver to mobilize lipophilic toxins and get them out of the body. Um, you know, there is a flushing reaction that can ha happen as well, like a little heat wave over your body, but all these things, you know, there's so many tools in the toolbox to kind of um, sustain the benefits from chiropractic care and even maybe use some of these to kind of prime your body to get even more benefit out of an adjustment. Um, so I, I definitely think that you don't need any of this, you know, bare bones, do your basics, you know, sleep, nutrition, hydration, all that good stuff have to have the basics in mind first before you get into the fancy stuff. But if you do want to start optimizing, there's a whole like toolbox out there for you. So we are closing in on the episode, but I do want to get into maybe a couple of just uh, last tips you have for the audience on maybe sports nutrition, weightlifting, um, Anything you really want to want to give some tips on wellness, health, chiropractic care, you name it. We cannot be healthy if we don't eat well, if we don't exercise well, and 
if we don't sleep well, which you just touched on it, they're all the basics. And they're all things we can do. They're all things we have the choice to make. And if we make those choices, we're always going to be healthier. Absolutely. And it's just, and when I say eat well, no one eats perfect. When I say exercise, you don't have to run a marathon. When I say sleep well, it's just a practice. And everything's a practice each and every day. And and start your day, you know, there was a great book about Make Your Bed by, I think it was a colonel in the military. So start your day, make your bed. Pat yourself on your back. You did it. You're successful. And we do all these little things that make us successful each day. And success comes from the little things. And it come, the little things are the practice. So you hit it right on the nose. Uh, chiropractic works on the nervous system and the circulatory system. And eating, making our changes, our daily changes and choices, the way we eat, uh, the supplements we may take, uh, making those changes each day, exercise. Everyone should exercise. Everyone. Everyone. Um, paraplegics can exercise, um, and just knowing the right way. And e- everyone has that ability and that choice. So you actually hit on it. Or I've just kind of reemphasized it. No, definitely. And, um, I love that all. So, um, and Dr. Dwayne Porter also has some books out there. You can go and look them up as well. But, um, that's probably, um, what we've got for today's episode. And we are really, really happy to have had this conversation. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in and we will see you in the next one. Thank you. The content provided by the Synthesis of Wellness LLC via its podcast and domain is for informational purposes only and should not be used as medical advice or as a replacement for medical care. The Synthesis of Wellness podcast, synthesisofwellness.com, The Synthesis of Wellness LLC, and Chloe Porter disclaim responsibility from adverse effects resulting from using the content provided. Please seek and consult a licensed physician for your health and medical needs. Furthermore, Chloe Porter and the Synthesis of Wellness podcast are not responsible for the opinions of guests featured on the podcast.